preparations A through G were unsuccessful. It's my favorite show of the week as we welcome you to this 475th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here and it's Freeform Friday as we put another wrap to a, another week of good shows here on Unscripted. And uh, Chris goes on to our Twitter account, finds things that people are talking about that uh, we find interesting to talk about. We banter about a little bit and move on to the next topic. It's been a great way to finish the week of shows. You know all the rest, so I won't bother anymore. Let's get started doing the voodoo that Chris does as I hand over the microphone of Unscripted over to the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Flute. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, these are from our Twitter account at UnscriptedMC. And so I wanted to start with a tweet that I just liked today, and it follows up on how we ended last week's shows and episode 471, which I entitled Mashed Potatoes. <laughs> After, you know, cool. yeah, <laughs> I sat there for a while not that one and I was like, oh, okay, now I know I, I got it figured out. Yeah. All right. So as a follow up to that episode, the takeout at the takeout, stop shoving potatoes up your butt, doctors warn. <laughs> and this is a thing that's actually happening. What's going on is uh, people with hemorrhoids, for some reason, I guess they haven't heard of Preparation H. So they are slicing potatoes and making them either cool or frozen and shoving them up their ass. To get relief of hemorrhoids. Oh my god! I can't believe people haven't preparation heard of preparation H. H has been around forever. I know. Oh my god, that's so much easier than slicing, dicing potatoes and shoving up up the poop chute. Are you kidding me? Holy Toledo! Right. Um, here's a here's a here's a warning. Um, <laughs> preparation H comes in a tube. It's about yay big, and it's in a yellow box, and it's got preparation H on it. Just go do it. Just go to the store and buy some. Oh my God, shoving potatoes up. It's got to be an Idaho thing. That's one of my. <laughs> it's got to be an <laughs> Idaho funny. thing. I've driven through Idaho. <laughs> I can see that kind of stuff happening in Idaho. That's funny. Oh my God. I think that's one of my favorite things from the whole Austin Powers franchise, is when they're making the weapon. Preparations A through G were unsuccessful. I present Preparation H. Like, I guess I remember I was watching it in the theater, and as soon as I he said Preparations A through G were unsuccessful, I burst out laughing. Like, because I guess other people get the joke instantly. And then he's like, Preparation H. And then everyone else started laughing. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen the, a lot of the Austin Powers franchise. Uh, a lot of it is borderline silly, stupid, but man, there are a lot of things in there that are funny that will live on in infamy. Mm -hmm. It's like Animal House, the old Animal House movie with Belushi, and and uh, there are just some lines in movies like that that will stay with us probably the rest of our lives, just because they're so funny. And you can be sitting, you could be sitting in the in a in the ocean in Jamaica on a holiday, and you could hear somebody quip off one of those lines and you're just going to break into laughter because it just touched a nerve or touched something. And there's always a few lines in movies like that. The movie itself might not be the best, but there might be a couple of lines that will live with you forever. Yeah, a lot of that, that type of humor didn't always work, but Austin Powers did seem to land most of the time. And I like when he says, Preparation H, and then his son, Scott Evil, says, uh, why don't you just call it Operation Ass Cream? And then... 
And then Dr. Evil's like, what? You want some ice cream? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I want some chocolate ass cream. And he's like, oh, maybe later. And he's like, what? And like, that's, that's my favorite scene in Austin Powers. Anyway. That woman, I got to say, though, that woman in that, in that picture that uh, was Austin's girlfriend. Heather Graham or Liz Hurley? Liz Hurley. Oh, my God. Have you seen her lately? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. She's like 55, and she's... I'm 55. Yeah, but you don't look as good as her in a bikini. That's true. Does she look good now? Yeah. Oh, really? She's 55, and she's still hot. Well, I, in that movie, she was... And, you know, the funny thing to me was, I was doing my radio show then, and if you remember, Hugh Grant was at the, the height of his powers in regard to Hollywood, and he had just come out with some movie. I don't remember. But that was also the time that Hugh Grant um, was going out with Hurley and he cheated on her. And he sat down with Jay Leno on The Tonight Show and Jay Leno's first question to, and I've got it on tape somewhere in this house because I used that line forever with stupid callers. And Jay Leno sits there and the first question to Hugh Grant was, what were you thinking, man, in regard to why are you cheating on Liz Hurley? And, uh, oh my God. You scroll down, there's lots of pictures of her in bikinis. And this, oh is, my. this is her at 54. Oh my God. Same age as you, basically. Oh my God. She looks like a 20-year-old or something, her oh body. Oh my God. Uh, Hugh Grant, what the hell were you thinking? Oh my God. Jesus, she looks good. Uh-huh. There's hope for all us 55-year-olds. <laughs> I swear to God, if you look like her. Wow. Okay, well, let's go to someone who doesn't look like Liz Hurley. So... Uh, Draymond Green got in the news here. I don't know if you saw this, but Anthony Slater and Anthony V. Slater. Charles Barkley should stop before I take his job because I can do that well too. He also can't talk basketball with me either. Not smart enough, not qualified, no rings, can't sit at this table. You know what? I, you know, a lot like Trevor Bauer. We were talking about him in the last episode. Draymond Green says what's on his mind. And he started doing that with Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and it's continued on to his days as a professional with the Golden State Warriors. Um, I know Charles Barkley is big entertainment. He's big television business these days. But I agree with everything that Draymond Green says, except for the part of replacing him. I don't think you replace Chuck Barkley. Chuck is very good at what he does. Chuck Barkley is better as a basketball analyst than he was as a basketball player, and he's a Hall of Famer. Um, But... Uh, he was taken. The reason that this got to the point it did was that Chuck Barkley was taking some shots at the Golden State Warriors in regard to why they're bringing back Steph Curry this season. And I've said that. We said it last week on Unscripted, and I'll say it again. I don't know why the Golden State Warriors are bringing back Steph Curry at this point of a lost season. They're going to be in the running for the first overall pick. They're going to have the money that they saved from not re-signing uh, Kevin Durant, they're going to have some money to go out and get a big-time free agent. They traded a worthless D'Angelo Russell for a very good, but really not known, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, in a real system with a real basketball team, folks, is going to be a hell of a player. And I can't tell you already the noise that I'm hearing out of San Francisco in regard to how excited Stephen Curry Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are about playing next year as a full team with Andrew Wiggins as part of this team. Uh, and they're going to have po- very potentially a great chance at the first overall pick in the draft. 
Don't feel sorry for the Golden State Warriors. They're going to be a super team again next year. Chris has envisioned that they're going to win a multiple championships over the next five years, and I'm starting to lean that way as well. Um, all this was was that Barkley made some comments about why the Warriors are, uh, uh, for these last few meaningless games, why they're even, you know, after missing, what, 50-some games, why even put uh, Curry back on the court and I agree with that, but that's what led to these these comments about Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green is a unique, uh, polarizing individual. I like his open and his honesty, uh, but in this case, I think Chuck Barkley was right. Okay, so a lot of places reported this, so I won't single out any one tweet, but you may have heard this week about the proposed media trade. I don't know if you heard about this at all. So ESPN is tired of everyone making fun of them. <laughs> for their shitty Monday night football broadcasts. So they have proposed an idea where they would do a trade. And so they want to trade, I don't know what they want to trade to NBC Sports, but they want to acquire Al Michaels via trade. And then they want to convince Peyton Manning to come to the booth. So they have what I would admit is a very appealing booth. I would like to watch Monday Night Football with Al Michaels and Peyton Manning as the broadcast team. I think that could be very, very good. I think that's a really good idea. I don't know how many years Al Michaels plans to... Al Michaels going. just turned 75. Yeah, so I you don't think... But I mean, even if they got, you know, three to five years, I'd be better than whatever the fuck they're doing now. So, For sure. So, yeah, I would be very interested to see that team. And I mean, I think we're going to see this. And Tony Romo started it with his his brilliant job right out of the yeah. gate and and I you know there's no guarantee maybe Peyton Manning because he's kind of a more laid back dude and he's kind of he's not all that animated maybe he wouldn't be a great broadcaster but he's so smart you would think he would so don't know for sure until you see it but I, I would be optimistic with Peyton Manning who probably the smartest player in NFL history for me um, but uh, yeah so everyone actually had a lot of fun on Twitter talking about you know about uh, possible trades you know, like they had, uh, let's see, someone had uh, Al Michaels to Disney for Elsa, Anna, and an Avenger to be named later. <laughs> you know, so shit like that. So everyone's having fun with it. But anyway, yeah, your thoughts on Al Michaels and Peyton Manning in the booth, if that would happen, as well as this trade idea. Well, first and foremost, um, NBC has a contingency plan. And it's a very, very, very good contingency plan. Think about this. I know... A lot of people have probably thought about this, but if you haven't, here it is. If Al Michaels were to leave and go back to the Monday Night Football franchise, remember, they've got a guy by the name of Mike Tirico on the NBC payroll that would fit in very well with anybody Absolutely. on the NBC Sunday Night broadcast. So having said that, part of the, the second part of the problem for ESPN, besides having a terrible announced crew of Joe Tessitore and Anthony McFarlane, Again, if you're new to Unscripted, I will never call him by his given name of Booger. I think that's part of the problem in and of itself. But part of the problem for ESPN is that they get the leftovers. And what I mean by that is they're not in the Thursday night NFL package. They get the leftovers of what Sunday night and Thursday night don't want. So it would be very, it would behoove, like that word, it would behoove ESPN if they could negotiate a better way to get some better games on Monday night. The Monday night package the last couple of years, regardless of who's been announcing the games, I mean, there were some stinker games in regard to teams, even when the great team of Tariko and Gruden were together. The only difference was Tariko and Gruden could still make it sound enticing. 
they had an unbelievable ability to take a Tennessee and Jacksonville game and make it sound good. But I think a couple things have to happen here. ESPN has to get a way to get some better games on Monday night, for sure, first and foremost. You could have the greatest announced team ever, and they might have some really shitty games. But I don't think this is as far-fetched as people think. I really don't. Um, And I think, again, because NBC has Mike Tirico in the back pocket under contract for the next number of years, I think that NBC might be amenable to something like that. But... I think it's going to be difficult for anybody to replicate what Tony Romo has done in the booth. Um, Aikman has been in the booth now for over 20 years. Think about it. Collinsworth has been in the booth for much more than even that. And they don't, as established as those guys are, they still haven't brought that swagger. I don't know another word for it, but they haven't brought that swagger to the booth like Tony Romo does. Romo is unbelievable. He'll sit there. it, It could be... It could be Chris calling the game and playing the role of Jim Nance. And Chris would throw something out and Romo is going to go, well, this is what they're going to do. And damned on third and two, this is what they do. It's unbelievable. It's almost like Romo is playing in a second, second, a, a seven second uh, delay to when the play is actually going on. He's got like a seven second head start on everybody. I don't know. And I like you. I don't know if if Peyton Manning has that kind of personality. He's got the smarts for it. I will totally agree with you. One of the smartest players ever in National Football League history. But it's going to take a unique personality, a laid-back personality like a Tony Romo. And I don't know if anybody has. Of the guys that are out there right now, I don't know if if you can clone, if you will. Because that's what everybody's looking for. You know, I've always said, that professional sports are they're, they're all copycats. Whatever's hot, that their competitors are trying to find what was working for this guy. Everybody's out there trying to find a Tony Romo right now. There's only one native of Burlington, Wisconsin, being Tony Romo. I don't know if it's possible. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see ESPN try, but I think even more important for ESPN than a new announcing team, which is important but a better schedule of games would really help ESPN. Yeah, Monday Night Football clearly has the leftovers, like you said. Their game, that you see games on Monday Night Football, you would never see the other days. But I mean, in fairness, on especially on Sunday night, people see, watch football all day, so you have to entice them to watch something And, and you're right, but here's the thing. This is the beauty thing about what NBC's contract is, is that they can opt out, right? Three weeks before they can opt out once they get to a certain part of the schedule. If ESPN had that flexibility, I think that, that would help their games because did anybody want to, I go back to that November game between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Did anybody really want to see Cleveland and Pittsburgh in the current status of both of those teams and where they were considering that Pittsburgh comes in without Roethlisberger, they had Rudolph in there and then they go to duck dynasty or whatever the hell his name was. ESPN is stuck with that game. Whereas you get to a certain point of the season, NBC has those flex games and they can switch it out. And I'd like to see ESPN get that same flexibility. Well, and Thursday night football should just be abolished completely other than, you know, Thursday I've no- night in the, during the, the, at Thanksgiving, that's it. And and I'm okay with week one as well. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Week one and Thanksgiving, maybe some other special case, but if you do, there should be a rule that 
you have to have had a bye the previous week. Yes. If you're if you're going to have a play on Thursday night, so it shouldn't just be this weekly thing. It's totally ridiculous. It's low quality gameplay, more injuries, and it's just been an absolute unmitigated disaster. It messes with people preparing their fantasy teams, their betting. It's just it couldn't be worse. It's a blatant money grab that ha- that is totally tone deaf to the realities of the football fan these days. The NFL PA has until Thursday of this week, March the 12th, to either ratify or deny what the owners are proposing in the next 10-year collective bargaining agreement. I would think that the head of the Players Association, whoever that is, I mean, that's Demore Smith or whatever, Dormarie Smith or whatever. I, I should, let me, let me restate that. He is the head of the Players Association, but all of these team player reps, like Aaron Rodgers is for the Green Bay Packers, all 30 NFL player reps should be getting together and talk about this Thursday night bullshit. I would give them, if I'm the players, I'd give them the 17th game if they eradicated the Thursday night crap. That's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And when you have a team, let's say a team plays in, is based out of New York and plays Sunday in Los Angeles or on the West Coast and has to play Thursday, I think that's just, you're, you are giving that team that played in California, as an example, on on Sunday, you're giving them no chance to win on Thursday. That's too quick a turnaround with a lot of travel involved. I couldn't agree with you more that Thursday would be eradicated. And I think if the NFLPA said, okay, we'll give you the 17th game with the added money and all the other things that they're looking at, take the good stuff, but get rid of that goddamn Thursday night franchise, that's going to kill the game of football. Yeah, it's been really irresponsible to keep going with that for sure. Goodell. Okay, uh, this was exciting for me. I don't know if you ever watched these guys at all, but I've been watching start to finish. I'm on season four of five here. Uh, the Kids in the Hall, the famous Canadian sketch comedy group. And it was just announced by Vulture at Vulture here that the Kids in the Hall are coming out with brand new episodes. It'll stream on Amazon Prime. They're going to come up with eight new episodes. These guys are 60 years old now. They were Canadians. The show ran from 89 to 95. And uh, just a legendary sketch comedy show. Have you ever watched The Kids in the Hall? Was John Candy in Kids in the Hall? No, it's it's five. It's a it's oh, a troop of five no. guys. No, no, you haven't. Okay, I have so, not. Sorry. So that won't get you excited, but it's very exciting for me. So it's going to be neat. But I mean, we saw these guys. They were in their late twenties to early thirties when the show ran from eighty nine to ninety five. And so, of course, Scott Thompson and Scott Thompson, one of the five, he says, "Okay, now where did I put my spanks?" You know. <laughs> And so it's good. He's uh, yeah, he's they're all they're all amazing. So it's going to be crazy to watch that. That's going to be the most surreal thing. It's almost like how I'm watching Star Trek Picard right now. And on Thursday, I got to see the first scene with Picard and Riker and Deanna Troy together in 20 years. And it was surreal. Like I couldn't believe I was getting to watch it. It was really cool for me. And now to see new episodes of the kids in the hall. But this just backs up my point I've been making about how it's all content is is in competition with all other content, including sports. And this is how desperate places are, not just to fill their content, but to outdo the other guys like Amazon Prime, all the money in the world with Jeff Bezos. They want to beat Netflix, and Netflix is poorly run and always in massive debt, so they could easily do it oh, here, for sure. right? I mean, that's such a shittily run Let company. Let me ask you something. Were you a fan of the original Star Trek? Uh, okay, so the original Star Trek in this was ran from sixty six to sixty nine. Yeah, with so, Captain Kirk and yeah. Mister Spock. So and- way before my time, and and by today's standard, it's kind of it. You know, I watched a couple episodes recently, and I was surprised they were better than I thought they'd be. But it's right. still very sixty. Sure, sure. And so what I'm doing, the thing is for me, 
there's over 30 seasons of Star Trek spread across eight different eight different shows and a lot of the lot of the seasons and episodes I've seen dozens of times like next generation with Picard I've seen every episode dozens of times sure. but um, I've never watched most episodes of the original series. I've seen the pilot, which was really unique and didn't even have Kirk. It had this other Captain Pike right. and it had some other stuff. Um, but uh, I am about to start soon. I will start watching. I'm going to watch all three seasons of the original series start to finish because there's been over 30 seasons of Star Trek and I have to be able to say that I've watched them all. Correct. And and, and I will. Um, I have, you know, uh, I'm watching Picard as it's coming out now. I have a couple uh, seasons to watch of Discovery. I only watched season one, and I have to go back and watch not only the original series, but then in the 70s, they came out with Star Trek, the animated series, right. where they kept doing, they did a couple more seasons of Star Trek, but animated because the guys were getting old and it made it easy, kind of like they did with Corner Gas recently. And so that was a way to do that. In, in the 70s, they also wanted to do another live action show. They were going to call it Star Trek Phase 2. And it never quite got off the ground. It almost got there and it didn't. And then they had to wait all the way till 87 and they did Next Generation. But yeah, I mean, as a big, I am a huge fan of Star Trek. Uh, the modern movies they've done with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, they did three more Kirk and Spock movies mm -hmm. with new actors. Those were, were very good and fun. And uh, I enjoyed those a lot. But yeah, I, I appreciate the characters. Certainly it wasn't bad for in the 60s, but it's uh, there's I know there's some episodes that are like, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> well, the reason the reason I ask is that I am still to this day a big fan of the game show network uh, match game, the original match game with Gene Rayburn, Richard Dawson. And on this week's of shows, because you can still get match game from the 70s on game show network. And the reason I ask that is because. They have three regulars. They have a, a, the panel of six, just like with Alec Baldwin now. But they have a panel of six. The three regulars are Brett Summers on the top, Charles Nelson Riley on the right, and in the bottom middle is Richard Dawson, and the host is Gene Raymer. And then the other three are the celebrities of the week, and they bring them on for a week of shows. The reason I ask is that this week, one of their celebrities that they bring in was William Shatner. From 1970. 1974 is exactly. And Shatner was on one week of shows. And I actually saw the week of shows this week. And oh my God. Now I know. Bill, Will, Bill, William, whatever you want to call him. William Shatner is now, I believe, off the top of my head. In his early 80s. Still live and kicking. Everybody else is gone. Mr. Spock, Leonard Nimoy is gone. DeForest Kelly, who was uh, uh, Bones. Oh, he's gone. Um... Uh, Zulu is still, or uh, one of them, the, the one of them is George Takei is still around. Oh, George Takei is still growing strong, but Shatner actually. But, other, I just wanted to say Shatner. Shatner this month turns eighty nine. Okay, eighty nine, and let me tell you, Shatner must have been a player back in the day. Oh yeah, for sure, because he comes on. I'm telling you, he sits there like this, and he's got the the shirt, you know, three or four buttons down, kind of like Simon Cowell today. And you see his big hairy chest, and he just sits there like this. Oh yeah, like he's just the big. I'm this. I'm just this sex goddess, and you know, I've got a, I've got a, you know, I've got a schlong to my knees here, girls, and come on, I'll show it to you. He just had this, and obviously, I mean, he's still living off of of Star Trek, and he's Captain Kirk, and he's just about to, you know, he he's not there quite there yet, but later on, he'd have a series called T.J. Hooker where he plays a cop. 
but I'm thinking, you know, because and he's a he's a legend in Canada because obviously he's a Canadian. Good, good, good on him. But um, he just must have been a player back in the day. Because I mean, just you know, you can see that as well as you are and as good as you are at reading people, you could see it too. He's just sitting there and he's flirting with the hosts. I mean, the contestants. There was one cute contestant, and he's, well, what are you doing after the show, baby? And it's like, Bill, yeah, come on, man. I mean, you're not in a bar. I mean, <laughs> so all I'm saying is. I was never, a, I mean, I watched the show. Would I be considered a fan of the show? No, but I knew who all the players were because it was so different at that time. It was so compared to, I mean, remember, this is on a time when uh, All in the Family was big. Archie Bunker was pissing people off with what he was saying and his racial overtones. And then a spinoff of the of All in the Family was the Jeffersons with George and Wheezy. And, and you're just getting into MASH the movie of MASH and then into the series, television series MASH, into Happy Days. But the the weirdest thing at this time is this, this uh, sci-fi show that nobody quite could put a finger on it. But enough people were watching it to keep it around for three years. But I swear to God, the way that he'd prance around in those boots, meaning, you know, uh, Captain Kirk, and he just saved the universe with, you know, with his smile and his, you know... He just must have been a player. I swear to God, if, you know, Will Chamberlain was famous in the 70s for coming out with a book saying that he had slept with 25,000 women and congratulations and good on you. But I can believe that uh, in his day, Bill Shatner, 89 years and still kicking to this day and still doing commercials. But in his time when he was Captain Kirk, I bet he got a lot of mileage out of that with the ladies. Holy moly. Yeah, he's got that Ric Flair vibe when I see him out in public and especially when he was younger and... Yeah, you can 89? tell he like, he's wow. turning eighty nine this month, and he still looks good. Like he's he's uh, he's gained a fair bit of weight in recent years, but other than that, he actually he doesn't look eighty nine. Like he looks really yeah. good for eighty nine, and whatever work he's gotten done, whatever. But I mean, he he really does look yeah, oh, absolutely great for eighty nine. Absolutely, really does. I'm sitting here, and again, I'm I'm sitting here on these watching these match game shows and going, damn, if I look that good, but yeah. you know, it helps when you can sit there and go, I'm Captain Kirk. All right. Okay, we'll do a couple more here. So Richard Staff at Staff7998 says, If Mike Bloomberg wanted to dump a billion dollars into a disappointing failure, he should have bought the Mets. <laughs> That's funny. You know, um, you told me, and uh, I trust your word is gold, that this man is worth $65 billion. Uh-huh. Um, that just goes back to a thing that my father told me a hundred years ago was money doesn't buy class. You know, I know that Mr. Trump is going to win again and it's really difficult to beat an incumbent sitting president when the economy is strong. And I would love to have a version of Mr. Trump run Western Canada. It would help us unbelievably up here to get rid of our current administration in Ottawa. There's no question about it, but you know, it's really sad. I sat there for about 15 minutes. And, you know, I did in college take some political science courses. And I really, at a time, especially when I was working for the military and working for the, you're working for the government, you try to stay up on things. But I can't believe in my heart of hearts that a country of, who knows, if you count everybody, between 400 and 500 million people, and we can't get one decent Democrat to run 
on the Democratic ticket side. Well, we don't have were, one. But... We don't have one. Well, well, sort of. There, there were two, and technically one still in the race, and that was Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. But the thing is, you didn't hear about them. Because Who are they? They are now. See, you're smarter than I am. I know that, but I'm sitting here and I watched about 15 minutes of the last thing on CNN when they had their last debate or town hall oh, yeah, in, yeah. New, in New Hampshire, wherever the fuck it was. And it was poorly run. Yep. They looked like idiots. They didn't know what they were talking about. And they were fighting about the same thing. Yeah, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. You're damn right totally it was embarrassing. embarrassing. And you know what? Again, I give all credit to Trump in this regard. It's a strong economy. He's done what he was supposed to do. All the extracurricular crap I don't care about and how much he's spending to go golfing every weekend, not my issue. But all I'm saying is, if a country of four to 500 million people and we can't find one decent... I mean, do you feel confident in having Bernie Sanders as your Democratic <laughs> representative? It's so funny. Or what's even sadder is Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden just smiles there with his, with his, with his uh, surgically repaired face and new teeth, and he's sitting there looking like Mr. Ed. I mean, that's the best we can do? And then there was some lady on there. Elizabeth Warren. Thank you. Oh, my God. She just is a man-hater. Um, it's just really unfathomable to me that we can't, in a country the size of the United States, and we can't find one legitimate running mate or running, running candidate for the Democratic Party moving forward. You know, Trump's going to win this by default. No oh, one's else, yeah. no one's going to show up. Oh yeah. He's going to win unopposed. And it, that's that you know, that's the sad part. Yeah, no, the so yeah, Biden's about the worst candidate you could possibly oh come God, up with. Oh my god, he's a, he's a, he's a joke. Okay, so he's if he won, he would be 78 before he got into office, first of all. Uh Oh, you ain't going to have to worry about that. Yeah, well, ain't. Oh, there's my new LeBron <laughs> word of the day, ain't. Oh, how would you get into his school? Anyway, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. I went to the SEC. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Uh so Joe Biden clearly has something wrong with him like I, i'm not trying to be mean or you know anti-democrat or right. anything but he clearly has early onset dementia or the yes. starts of alzheimer's he keeps mixing up stuff like he's so gaff prone i mean trump would be realistically anybody they're gonna put up but it's so bad i mean he got his wife and his sister mixed up the other day i think and he he was telling people he was running for the senate the other day instead <laughs> for president and <laughs> He came out once, like I understand, sometimes I've seen where wrestlers look at the wrong side, like you're supposed to always look at the hard camera, where if you're, if oh, you, okay. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, sometimes yeah. they, like when The Rock made his debut at Madison Square Garden in 96. He at the wrong camera. Yeah, he, and, he, and they showed a video on YouTube of him making fun of himself recently, and he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, look at me, looking at that, and he's going to see the back of his head, and he's like, it's just ridiculous. So, but Joe Biden, Joe Biden did that recently. In a in, on a stage, like if you've got three hundred sixty degrees of fans, that's one thing. But when fans are only on one side, he literally like it's not. How is that possible? He walked out onto a stage and looked towards the back of the stage, acting like that's where the like it doesn't make any sense. Like how what? Their fans are on one side. You look at the fans. Are you stupid? Like no. so so anyway, what a lot of people are saying because obviously he's the ultimate establishment guy. They're like, oh, magically. Guess who his running mate will be? Hillary. And then if he wins, 
he, oh, well, he better step down for the good of the country, in quotes, and then, Madam President, here we are. So I think that's the plan. But Bernie Sanders, number one, is not even a Democrat. He's an independent. Correct. And and number two, he's a sweaty old communist. And so, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. The, you, the Americans are never going to vote for a sweaty old communist. And if they were, it sure wouldn't be when the economy is kicking ass. So let's be serious. But real quick, I, I did want to recognize two great people. And part of the reason they're great is because they are not puppets of the establishment. And the Democratic Committee, the Democratic Party has proven it doesn't really want to win that badly. It only wants to win if it has a puppet that it can control. It really doesn't care about winning otherwise, because if it did, you have stellar candidates in Andrew Yang, a rich businessman, you know, Asian descent, even photogenic, smart, brilliant ideas of the future, understands technology and the economy. One of his big proposals was the UBI, the universal basic income. He wants to give, he wants to give everyone a thousand dollars a month, everybody, like doesn't matter who you are and pay for it with a VAT tax, like a GST equivalent. Uh, I, I love that. And, and, you know, to help combat automation and less jobs for people and very, very smart guy, very reasonable, very, very, just a, just a sharp dude and a very likable guy. And all of a sudden, he pointed this out too. Now everyone's hiring him to be a pundit. But I mean, as soon as he dropped out, all of a sudden, oh, everyone's singing his praises. But, you know, the Democrat-controlled media couldn't be too complimentary of him because he's not a puppet. So all of a sudden now, oh, he's brilliant. What a great guy. So and then Tulsi Gabbard, who still technically is in the race, she has not dropped out. She just hasn't won very much so far. Unbelievably beautiful, photogenic woman in her 30s. Uh, late 30s or early 40s, whatever it is. Don't you have to be 35 or 40? 35. Yeah, so she's like late 30s, a veteran, a military veteran. Nice. Uh, very smart very and very, very uh, willing to reach across the aisle. She, she will go on Fox News. She will appear anywhere. She'll go into enemy territory, and people don't really dislike her. Like, she'll go anywhere and say, okay, like, you know, I think that we, you know, Republicans and Democrats should work together and let's be sensible. She she's a very just man like who if you like smart beautiful women who are veterans this is the woman for you like I would take Tulsi Gabbard over Liz Hurley like I mean this woman she is gorgeous and amazing and and if they got behind her the other thing is not only are they great candidates on their own but Trump against Yang or Gabbard couldn't just paint by numbers he figured out how to play the political game before even finishing his first campaign. Now he's really got it mastered. And to put up such an easy target like Joe Biden or or Bernie Sanders, like even if Joe Biden didn't make any mistakes, he'd be easy to beat. And he can't get through anything without people like walking him around and telling him what to do all the time. It is totally, you're right. It is totally embarrassing for the U.S. to not be able to come up with better candidates than that. They are there, but they're not getting promoted. And uh, I have nothing bad to say about Tulsi Gabbard or Andrew Yang. They're great candidates. But the rest of the field was extremely unimpressive. They looked weak how they put up their hands in the debate. Like, no, pick me. Can I talk? Can I talk? Like, as if Donald Trump would ever do that, would ever look that weak. It's pathetic. So, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, really disappointing. But, yeah, Trump's going to win a landslide. And anyone who can't see that is just too biased. Well, and we're going to have record low numbers, I think, of people showing up at the polls for the simple fact that they're resigned to the fact that Trump's going to win. Oh, Dem yeah, well, that's what's going to make help make it a landslide. Trump supporters will have a great time going out oh, there absolutely. And, and voting. But, but the Democrats will not be heard or seen from 
come early November. No, but in I, my opinion. But after after uh, Trump uh, can't run again in 2024, <laughs> unless the, he likes joking that he'll like try to extend that just to like make the Democrats go insane. Hey, I don't think he's serious. He'll be old too. But he keeps saying that just to make just to kind of well, shake you know up the came out last week. Did you what, hear this? That? Trump sees a a succession plan with Ivanka. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, but okay. What I do hope, I do hope that in 2024, Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard run again. I would love to have them together on a ticket. I think they would just be fantastic, and and uh, maybe some of the people in the Democratic Party who run that are are going to get old and die, hopefully, or something. But um, yeah, Yang and Gabbard would be. I would, uh, you know, because I don't care about Democrat versus Republican at all as a Canadian, um, and even if I move down there, I would. I can't. Well, I. I don't know. Yeah, you're going to move down there. Yeah, I will. Someday you're going to move down there. We're all going to move down there and we're going to do unscripted number 5,000 from uh, a casino. Yeah. And I I just, uh, I don't know if there's any political party on earth that really represents me comprehensively. So I I certainly, and it's certainly not those two parties. So I wouldn't ever get too excited about them. I would vote for whoever I thought was the right candidate. And a Yang Gabbard ticket would be really interesting and would be, I think, a really a wonderful thing. And, and hopefully corruption doesn't keep them out. Uh, last tweet I wanted to say, uh, Cookie Monster at me, Cookie Monster. Me miss ice cream trucks. Me need summer. <laughs> I miss the cookie truck. I miss the ice cream truck, too. I can't wait for summer. The problem is um, we haven't had summer here in Calgary for a couple of years. Think about it. Yeah. I mean, even Stampede traditionally... Our, our our least favorite time of the year, go back to episode number 251, uh, the czar or the, uh, when the guy won the poker thing, that was one oh, of my S- best. Sin City was two, Sin City, 207. 207. That's the best one ever. <laughs> and you'll get all of our insights on the greatest outdoor show on the earth. greatest show on earth. <laughs> um, but um, even, even the weather during Stampede this year was shit. We have had an unbelievably poor last... 16 to 18 months of weather it's been terrible it's here. it's nice to have sunny days but to be honest like it's i always think like even if it's a nice day in summer in calgary it we we really could use a a, a good beach you know what i mean like we, <sighs> we don't really have anything okay so this is a good question so in las vegas yeah. where do people is there is there a beach around there somewhere where do people go to the beach in vegas well the only the only beach in vegas besides the man-made ones at the casinos and the and the pools oh, yeah, no, yeah, uh, but not excluding those the only beach if you were to say there's a beach and it's very limited is out at uh, lake mead how far um from the cosmo it's going to be about 25 miles going south toward phoenix oh, that's not bad no but is how like how can you do lots of people go there oh yeah like, yeah and it's locals it's a, it's a public beach oh yeah Locals, yeah. Okay. Um, when you're there, um, when you're there in June, uh, ask a taxi driver to take you to Lake Mead. He'll know what to do, and tell him to take you to Rocky Beach. That's the only beach that I know of in Vegas, and I've been there many, many well, times. Well, it's called Rocky Beach. It almost doesn't sound good. Is it there nice sand? And you no, there's not sand. I mean, there's some sand, but it's 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 a combination of of uh, rock and sand. That's where the the name Rocky oh, Beach. Yeah, that's comes what I was from. worried about. Can yeah. you? Go in the water, okay? Oh yeah, and it's, oh yeah. Water's warm as hell, and and it's man-made Lake Mead, or is it a real lake? Good question. Are, um, are, are the, the, lake Mead is the number one source of water for the Las Vegas Valley. Okay, and uh, you'll be able to see if you go there, you'll be able to see on the rock formations on the side where the water level was at one time, mm. and progressively gone down to where it is today. Um, 
It's not a perfect beach, but it's what Vegas has. Not a um, bunch of weeds or anything? Oh, God, no. And the water's warm, okay. obviously. And uh, and and uh, people do put a boat in the water. And, uh, and uh, uh, whether it's a jet ski or they put a power boat in there and, and uh, you know, haul a, a skier behind it, there's that capability to do that. There's a landing out there to do that. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a, uh, what is it, uh, you know, like Banff. It's a national park. Lake Mead is a national park, so it's it's maintained by the government, but um, it is the only uh, beach area in the whole Las Vegas Valley. Well, better than what we have in Calgary. That's for oh, sure. for sure. Plus, oh. plus, if yeah, the water would be warm because it's water's you know, always warm year round. Oh yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't you know swim in it at this time of the year, but once you get into April, May, June, you'll be fine and. Uh, I've spent a lot of time out at Rocky Beach, um, getting away from the city. Um, so when you first wade into the water, is it sandy enough or is it hard on the feet or is it okay to walk around in once you wade in a little bit? You can do that if you want, but I would probably suggest bringing shoes. You know, uh, um, I take uh, water shoes with me. Oh, okay. Um, just because, you know, um, there it is a rocky base. Because I like to just, I like to go into the water, go up to, you know, waist deep or so and just throw the ball around. Oh, yeah, you can do that for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, on rock, you can barbecue if you'd want. Uh, they've got uh, little places there that uh, to barbecue. And, and uh, I, I would strongly recommend it. If I was going to be there the same time that, as you were be, I would say one day we dedicate to Rocky Beach to go out and have a few, uh, a lot of adult, uh, a lot of adult pops and have a nice day and barbecue out there. And it's, it's nice. It's nice, Chris, to get away from all the noise and all the coins and, and everything that you see at a casino. And, um, you know, and in Vegas, as you know, everywhere, everywhere, but churches and doctor's offices, there's a slot machine. You go into the Smiths, you go into the the Albertsons, you go into whatever grocery store and, and uh, there's always a bank of slot machines. So you never really escape the ringing of the coins in Las Vegas. And that's what's great about Rocky Beach. You can go out to Lake Mead and get away from it for a couple hours. So I would strongly suggest it. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to research Lake Mead and someday when we live there, I'll definitely be uh, using it. That's a great option. I'm glad they have that. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, right just like literally seconds ago, not really breaking news, but I just got a text from our buddy Ryan Hall, fan of the show and has appeared on the show multiple times. And uh, he just sent me this picture. So it's a tweet from your buddy OJ Simpson at the real OJ32. And he says, coronavirus who's afraid and he's got a he's got the oh mask on of course so then someone ethan klein at h3h3 productions <laughs> tweeted back to a response to oj wearing the mask and he said statistically i may have a better chance of being killed by you than the virus <laughs> that is the way that is the best way right there that is the best way to end free forum friday and this week of shows with a shot at O.J. Simpson. Oh, I'm, and I'm so happy and so proud that he is banned from the Cosmo. That is so good to know. We've got a run on this uh, 475th episode of Unscripted and marking another end of the week of shows here on Unscripted. Thank everybody for participating. Thanks for Chris for making the trek up to the Southwest here in Calgary. Thank you very much as we try to get our house back in order. And uh, again, big thanks to everybody out there, Ryan, Greg, even though I haven't seen them on our Patreon page lately, um, but uh, hopefully though everything is well in those guys' world as well. 
And uh, always want to say hi to Nicole because I've heard through uh, industry sources that Nicole likes getting the shout outs on Unscripted. So Nicole, this is for you, my dear. You are a very smart lady and Ryan is Ryan. Um, (laughs) No shot, Ryan. Just, you know. Um, you married well. So did Chris and I. Um, we'll, uh, we'll take him to Lake Mead if they're ever, last time we went to Vegas, uh, we went with Ryan and Nicole actually. And yeah. so, uh, if all three couples are ever in, um, yeah, in Lake Mead or in Vegas at the same time, we'll go to the beach together. We can throw the ball around. We'll just have to be in a little bit shallower water for yes. Ryan so he doesn't drown. <laughs> oh, we got to run on this 475th episode of Unscripted. Having said that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time. <laughs>